I think when it comes to the process of lyric writing, whether you write lyrics first or later in your songwriting process, I think the tendency for a lot of people is to dive into actually writing lyrics too quickly without doing some background work first. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about five things to do before you start writing lyrics. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I am your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day, week, month, whenever it is. Obviously, if you're during a day, you're also during a week and month, but we'll ignore that part and that what I said made no sense at all. I appreciate the fact that you took some time to listen to this podcast, and I also appreciate the fact just that you care enough about songwriting to listen to any podcast about songwriting. You could be listening to Joe Rogan do his animal impressions right now or something like that because I've loved those YouTube shorts recently. I kind of hate that YouTube shorts are a thing because it's really easy. The infinite scroll is a very dangerous thing, but... Man, I love I love some good Rogan making animal sounds and talking animals, and I, I just don't want to see half the videos he's talking about. But anyway, you could be listening to stuff like that. Instead, you're listening to a songwriting podcast. I appreciate that. If you haven't already, pick up my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. We're talking about lyric writing here, and really... These five things are kind of doing a bit of a deep dive into really step two of that lyric checklist. Uh, There's six total steps. Most of what we're talking about here is diving, drilling into step two of that process. So if you want the whole thing of, of how I go really from just an idea to lyrics that at this point now, because of that process, I, I pretty consistently, when I finish a lyric, I feel really good about it, about the whole thing. I know in in the past earlier when I was in like high school and college before I had that and before I sort of solidified a process, it kind of was hit or miss. There were some that I'd be really proud of. And then a lot of them would be like, oh, I really like the chorus, but I kind of feel crappy about the second verse. Um, or maybe, you know, both the verses don't feel that great or the bridge is kind of disappointing. Um, but now I've pretty much gotten to the point that it's, it's, at, at best, there might be like a line or two that I could never quite get right, but um, we certainly have reduced it down because of this checklist. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check it out. It will take you from idea all the way to a song that you can be proud of that passes the frame test, as I call it, which is really just, is the lyric good enough that if you just put it in a picture frame and put it on the wall, people would read it with no music, no melody to carry it, nothing else, no crutches. Does it still stand on its own? Because you might like the song WAP, which I don't know how you could, but but you might like the song WAP, but I bet if you read it as poetry on the wall, you'd be like, what is this stupid garbage? Because, well, it wouldn't pass the frame test, which is how you know whether a lyric is actually good or not. If it passes as poetry, it's probably a really good lyric. If it wouldn't pass as poetry, then it probably isn't a very good lyric. So anyway, if you're interested in that, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Link will be in the description. First thing, and by the way, these are not necessarily in any order, um, or at least the order isn't stringent, so don't take this as a step one, step two. That's not really what we're talking about. These are just five things generally I would recommend you do before you start the actual lyric writing process. And the first one, we're going to cover it because I talk about this one a lot, so we're going to get it out of the way first. Find art or pictures. This is one of those things that, like, 
I, I don't know if you have taken my advice on this yet, if you've been a listener for a while, <clears throat> but re really give it a try. And don't just try it once, right? Because sometimes the first time you try something, yeah, it doesn't work. But sometimes, you know, if, if you force yourself to do it for like a week or a month, now all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is really helpful. Now that I force myself to, to do it and I get better at it and that sort of thing. But overall, here's why. Here's why I recommend you find art or pictures. One is that it can serve as inspiration. Uh, we've all heard the phrase, pictures are worth a thousand words. And if that's true... Then and, and songs are rarely above 500. I mean, the vast majority of songs, especially if it's not like a rap that has a ton of lyrics and it's being rapped fast and stuff, those can go long. But for most songs that are not raps, I mean, 300 is kind of on the long side. A lot of songs have more like 200 or 250. If I were to guess, the average would be about around 250. So if that were the case, then in theory, a picture has four songs worth. Now, of course, that's not exactly how it works, but just as a, as, a, as a general idea, right, sometimes a picture has a lot of depth to it. If it's a good piece of art, there's a lot of depth to it. That's why you can stand at an art, in an art museum and stare at a picture for a while and still, like, get new things from it and, and, and pull different storylines from it, right? There's maybe three characters in it, and each one has their own distinct story of how they got there, why they're making the face they're making, or why the artist chose to obscure some part of their body or their face or whatever it might be. So in pictures, there can be a lot of inspiration. Not to mention that unlike a lot of other places that you could pull inspiration, like let's say a TV show, even if it's just an episode of a TV show, and even if it's not a drama and it's a like sitcom or something, that's like 22 minutes. So to get re-inspired every time you'd have to watch 22 minutes worth of an episode, like that that's kind of a lot. And I'm not saying not to base things on songs. I'm just saying that it's it's not a good thing to just rely on. And art and pictures is very efficient because you can literally put it in your Google document and it's just there. Right? So every time you open up your document to work on your song, boom, there's your reminder of those pictures that serve as sort of the, the bedrock inspiration or maybe not even the bedrock inspiration, but a part of the inspiration for what you're going for in this song. And I also find that it can help you maintain the same tone and sort of re-dive into the core emotions of the song months or even years later as you continue to write the song. And I think this is important because otherwise, if you go through a season of life um, that 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 has you in a certain frame of mind, but then you're out of that, frame of mind, but you haven't finished the song that came from that sort of era of your life, sometimes it can be difficult to then finish that song because you're not there anymore. Um, just, just to take a, a scenario close to home, uh, for a while, my wife and I were, were struggling with trying to have a kid and she's now uh, four months pregnant, I think. I, I should know this. I, I know by weeks, not by months, but uh, she's past 20 weeks. So, you know, there were songs that I had started to write that were from the, like, frustration or trying to, I was trying to get to the point where, like, I mentally was like, hey, you know, can I, can I find it within myself to accept the idea of the possibility of never being a dad or at least not a biological father? You know, we could always adopt, but, um, and I had to 
you know, try to come to grips with that. And as a songwriter, of course, that results in starting songs. But now, you know, it's even though it's fairly recent feeling that way, it can be more difficult to dive back into that part of life. But because I have pictures and and pieces of art that were coming from that same place that evoked that same emotion that were attached to the songs I was writing off of those ideas because of that, it is easier to dive back into that, that moment, not in a way that I make myself miserable again, but just that you can relate and empathize with your past self again enough that you can continue writing a song from your past point of view. Um, so, and another thing really practically is it can help you find your central song image or symbolism. So a lot of times a song will have really one central symbol or image, right? Especially if it's mentioned in the title. So, you know, an example of this from my own writing is I have a song called Whispers of Angels. The whole thing was built around, I thought the symbol of Whispers of Angels was very compelling to me, imagining these angels to be sort of a, a weeping angels type thing from from Doctor Who, if, if you're familiar. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, and I, the, I just found that image dark and compelling, and and I built the whole song around that single symbol, which is very common because a song, you know, there's only so much time and there's only so many words you have. So it's often smart to build a song around really one central symbol or idea. And that doesn't mean you can't have other symbolisms in there, but they're all meant to support the main one. So... It, it it could be true that maybe you are writing a song about we'll we'll pick on something really basic a breakup right that's probably the most like common song to write of, of all time some sort of heartbreak so you know you might be thinking sort of just in terms of oh my heart hurts woe is me which I don't blame you we've all been there right I'm <laughs> that came across really really callous that's not what I meant um, but. And, and there might not be a symbol that immediately comes to mind that resonates with you that the song should utilize or borrow. But then if you look up art with Google uh, Google image search, right? So you're like, you literally search something like uh, losing someone you love art or or painting of, of heartbreak or something. And very often you will come across images that aren't aren't just like, you know, here's this girl breaking up with this guy and he has his head down and he's trying to look, or, or, you know, maybe he's trying to look strong, but you can see a tear. I don't know, whatever. Half the art or more is going to be about utilizing symbols to evoke that idea rather than physically showing, Hey, look, there's two people in a coffee shop and the guy's breaking up with the girl. Like most of it's not going to be that. And in that, you might find a symbol you wouldn't have thought of otherwise to be the main symbol to revolve your heartbreak song around. Which is another reason that finding art or pictures can be very, very helpful. Because if you think, I mean, symbolism is really just images utilizing words, right? So at its core, when we have symbolism in a song, it's effectively that we are creating a painting or a piece of art that is visual for our listener, right? So when I say whispers of angels, and especially in, in the context of the song, or when I explained it in this case, but in the context of the song, it's pretty evident that the idea is, um, the, the call into question is, are these 
these are people in theory you would think would be on your side, but are they really, right? Which is kind of off of the angels thing. You would think an angel would be on your side, but I'm calling that into question because uh, just to be clear, these are not literal angels, it's symbolism. So in in that, right, it paints a picture in people's minds. And whether people get the the image of, of lit, like the sort of weeping angels type dark angel thing or not is, you know, it's somewhat out of my control, but... To an extent, we are trying to paint that image in people's heads because it's way easier for people to attach to images because we're so sight-driven than it is for people to attach to just like talking about, oh, my heart hurts, blah, blah, blah. Like there's no there's no image there though. But once you talk about something physically happening to your heart or or about some weight that's on you, or once we start to have a, a, a physical thing that we can see, uh, that's really the, the power of imagery and symbolism. Uh, we're effectively, again, painting for our listeners, um, but but it's in, in it's in their mind rather than the very real painting that exists for regular art. So anyway, find art or pictures. Those are some of the main benefits. I think there are even more benefits than that, uh, but really, really helpful. I highly recommend at least three. Probably limit yourself to like less than 10 maybe maybe eight because sometimes admittedly I, I probably find too many and then i i don't really want to delete any but sometimes the song goes in a different direction so i, I at first i thought the song was going to be revolving around this sort of picture idea and then eventually i kind of you know went in a different direction where it's like oh actually i want this to be about like a battle with a with an old time ship on the ocean or whatever um so find art or pictures number two do prose writing. You should just do prose writing because it's going to help you to just write and flesh out your ideas. The main purpose of this is avoid staring at a blank page because I think why it is on average, I think authors struggle less with the blank page. A part of it is because the writing process for an author there isn't as much pressure on every word as there is for a songwriter. Because I think wh whether we actively think about it or not, we internally absolutely know that, hey, this song is going to take me a long time to write probably, if I care about it being quality, specifically lyrically. But in the end, I only have 250 words or so. Every single one of these better be exactly right. And also, I, I just I just think, I don't know why this is, I, in my small corner of the internet, I'm trying to change that, but like, I feel like I'm the only person I've ever heard talk about editing lyrics, which seems insane to me, because of course you have to edit lyrics. Like, no other writer of words expects to like, just write it and be done, right? Like, the first draft of a book has never been released in the history of mankind, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure way, way back in the day before the idea of a book was really a thing. But, you know, if you read the latest Brandon Sanderson novel, it's not like he just wrote that off the top of his head. Right. It, it, there was a lot of background work. He probably outlined. He wrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote and edited. And then an editor helped to edit. And then, you know, like there's a lot of steps there. But for some reason, I feel like songwriters, it's just like, oh, I'll just I'll just like improvise poetry and it will be good. Like, no, it won't be good. It almost definitely will not be good. And if you look at your lyrics and you're like, why aren't they good? It's probably because you tried to improvise poetry. It's unfair to yourself. Um, and if you have the, the impression that like other people do that, 
They probably don't, especially if they look like they're they're good songwriters. There's no like most of those things were not just improvised or just came out. It they were wordsmithing. They were actively changing this word here and that word there, figuring out why this line didn't work. But anyway, for an author though, it, it is still in prose, right? Like a book is written in prose. And it, it might be true that in the end, every word is paid attention to and they're very intentional about that. Yes, that's true. But you know, for Brandon Sanderson, right? He's he's worried about the story and make sure the sentence structures work to to drive forward and to be efficient so that his books aren't like a million pages long. He, you know, it's not like he's in the Tolkien era of where they like go on and on about minor details that seem like why are we talking about this for like twenty million pages? Um, but he doesn't have to worry about like oh, I need to make sure that like, the beats are exactly right for every single line and that I have good meter in my lines and maybe a rhyme scheme if if we're committed to rhyming in some part of our song. So it's easier to just write because it's, it is prose ultimately. So he can just write and not struggle with the blank page as much as maybe a songwriter would on average. So a great way to subvert that or to, to avoid that is start with prose, start with prose, because then you're starting to write instead of staring at a blank page, which is already a victory. But then it also can help you with discovery because you might not have a full idea of what your song really is going to be about yet. But if you just start writing, basically you're like journaling from the character of the song's point of view, which most of the time is probably going to be you, it's effect, you can see it as journaling effectively, but you're just writing. You're not, you're not putting pressure of lines and lyrics and rhyming and all that. No, no, no. Just, just, just write what you feel like you're journaling. And you may accidentally write a killer line or a, a line that could be later the title of your song. You know, the, the, the line that your whole song revolves around almost. Or, or come up with some powerful imagery for your song. Right, Because just in the same way that you could discover art where you're like, oh, that's an interesting symbol. If you really just dive into talking about your feelings or the feelings of this character you're writing about, as you just write with no rules, no expectations, nothing, you're just writing, you might accidentally stumble across an idea, a brilliant line, an image that you wouldn't have if you were sitting there trying to compel yourself, write a brilliant line. But this removes that pressure. And even if it doesn't give you maybe the central image or the central killer line that becomes your title, it still gives you a bunch of ideas and thoughts to work with when you do start writing your lyrics. Ignoring the fact that it also is possible you'll have a few sentences that can be almost directly converted into lines in your song where, you know, maybe you need to make it a little more poetic, edit it a little bit, uh, but maybe not even that, right? You might, you might have just you might come up with brilliant lines just by telling yourself just right just right so number 1 find art or pictures number 2 do prose writing i feel like i just assumed everybody knows what prose is so just to be clear prose is like regular english what i'm talking right now is prose if you didn't know so just regular old english like it's a regular journal entry. You're not thinking about flowery words or all that. It's not bad to write those words, but just generally you just write. Number three, create a word pool. Uh, something I call this is a related words document. Uh, I use the 
basically Excel for Google Drive, Google Sheets. Um, you don't have to do that. I do find that very helpful, though, because then it's easy to organize the, the words into rows and columns. Ultimately, the purpose of this word pool, we'll talk about how to make it in a second, but the purpose is that it gives you a bunch of words that are all in the same quote-unquote key. So if you think about keys from a musical perspective, the idea of, say, key of E major is that it gives you a set of notes, it gives you a root note, and from that is, is where the general sound is derived. We all know intuitively that E major sounds very different than E minor, which sounds very different than E Phrygian. Well, I guess minor and Phrygian don't sound that different, but but um, they do sound different for sure. And so what mode you are in or, or, or key is going to make a huge difference. And even if you don't know what Phrygian is, we all intuitively know, right? Oh, this is in minor or major. And that makes a significant difference. So that, that's a key, right? And the idea is that a key is a, 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 a subgrouping or a subset of notes that work together to generally give a certain feel. That's why songs in minor generally feel very different than songs that are in major. Uh, not to mention that if you go like Phrygian or something, that, that also has a distinct feel. It gives sort of an exotic, darker flair that is super awesome. Um, or, or Lydian is on the other side. It's even brighter and more ethereal sounding usually than major. Of course, there's different ways to use this. It's overall reductionist to be like, major is happy and minor is sad. Like, well, no, it depends. But there, there is some truth to that. And ultimately, that's the idea of a key, right? So a word pool gives you sort of a key, but it's from a lyrical perspective. So if you're writing a song properly, you definitely are utilizing a, a, a key for your song, whether it's C major or E Phrygian, whatever. But which technically would have the same notes, but uh, but the way but because the root is different, that's what gives it a different sound. But anyway, that's a different podcast which we talked about several times. Anyway, with a word pool, you're getting a bunch of words in the same key. So let's say that you're utilizing spa a space symbol or analogy in the song. What will really hammer that home? and really make the song feel very space-like is if you have, you don't just say like something about the moon once and then you move on. There's nothing wrong with that, but that probably isn't going to give people this constant like, oh yeah, space imagery, space imagery in the way that it would if you have a bunch of different words that all sort of evoke the feeling of space. So just as an example, if you... Go to relatedwords.org, I think it is, uh, if not com, but just search for related words. You can type in a word like space. So I, I believe for this experiment, I did type in space, and I got words like space, star, vacuum, satellite, planet, alien, moon, infinite, galaxy, floating, asteroid, landing, floating, galactic. So even though, you, you know, for example, you might you might have a song that's that's talking about something with the moon and space and all that. And then when you're trying to think of the elation that you feel, you're like, oh, you know, I could use a bunch of different words for feeling happy and elation. But actually, if I utilize the, oh, I feel like I'm floating, 
that that has that, that works in two ways. Not only does it work because it evokes the feeling I I'm trying to say, but it also sort of subtly hammers home the like because in space, right? And some are going to be mo- more overt than others, and you know you shouldn't brute force these words in there, but at at least allows you to you can pick like three to eight c- core words, right? So it might be love joy because it's a, a about being super happy and then you know the m- moon maybe or space or something like that because that's the imagery you want to use and then you know you might double down on that and be like not only specifically the moon but infinite or galaxy or something and then from there you literally search rela- relatedwords.org and it will give you a massive pool of words that are related to that word which the beauty of this is very different than at the source right the source is hey, here are other words that mean the same thing or very similar to the same thing as this word, which is also a very useful tool later in the songwriting process for for editing the lyrics. But at this point, really we're just looking for songs that are in the same key as each other, that evoke some of the same ideas. The common one I bring up for this is, you know, if your song is about a beach or something or the ocean, if you you might not think to use the word boardwalk instead of sidewalk later in the song, but if you use related words, you might find that boardwalk word, write that down in, on your related words document. And now you're going to be like, oh, boardwalk. Because that, again, that just subtly, like nobody's going to think like, oh, he said boardwalk because he's trying to hammer home and hit me over the head with, get it? It's at a beach. Like it's not going to feel that way. It's just going to feel natural. It's going to feel right because they already have the symbol in their head of two people on a beach and the sun setting. So boardwalk is a natural, naturally that would be mentioned in the song. It would be natural that you would walk on a boardwalk rather than a sidewalk. And of course, there's sidewalks at the beach too, but sidewalks are more general. They don't evoke the boardwalk. Like just me saying boardwalk, you probably got an image of the ocean without me having to mention the ocean. And that's the power that you get from doing this related words document. So it gives you a bunch of great words to work with when it comes to actually writing your lyric later so that you can pull words like boardwalk instead of sidewalk to evoke that beach concept or floating instead of just saying that you're ecstatic or something for this space imagery, if that's one of your central imageries. Number four, outline the song sections. So something that is very easy to do is to have a song or lyric specifically where you have a bunch of great lines, but yet Overall, the arc of the song is an absolute mess or the continuity of the song is an absolute mess. And I think it is a tendency for songwriters to overemphasize good lines and to underemphasize great words within each line, and which is on the smaller level, right? And then on the bigger level, the entire arc of the song. And the idea is, theoretically, let's take a movie. You could have a movie that's quotable all the way through. That's just great quote after great quote. But if they don't make sense in context, if they don't make sense with the character that's saying them, if it feels like the writer was just like, oh, this is a smart line, so I'm going to have this person say it, even though it makes no sense with what's going on in the movie – then first of all, it takes you out of the movie and you're probably not even going to notice that there were good lines on their own because the whole movie's such a mess, you don't care. But it's it's the whole, you know, a team is not a sum of its parts. 
I think we all know that's true intuitively, but we don't always relate that to all the other things that is also true of. A book is not the sum of its chapters, nor is it just the sum of its words. Now, both of those are important, but that is not overall what is. You can have a bunch of great chapters, but if the overall narrative arc is a mess or doesn't quite work, it doesn't matter how great each of these chapters on their own were. Same is true with scenes in a movie or lines in a movie. And the same thing's true for our song. You can have great line after great line, but you know, just to take it to the logical extreme, just to make the point, you know, if you have one brilliant line that's that's some quote from like the 15th century about, I don't know, the the import the importance of logic or so, I don't know, and then and it's a great line, and then you have an, the next line is some like oh love is so amazing line that also is deep and brilliant. It's like well those two don't go together though. There's no narrative that's forming, so it'll just be like what is is this person just stringing a bunch of random lines like quotes from people they love together? And it would be a mess. It'd be terrible. Now that's obviously taking it to the logical extreme, and I don't th- most people I don't think do that. But I do think people don't spend um, enough time uh, really thinking about, well, okay, wh- what is the job of each of my sections? Because I-, I can't just have, oh, well, the second verse has a bunch of good lines. Okay, but do all those lines work together in that section to make the point or to communicate what needs to be communicated by that section? Is a story moving forward? Is Are the ideas moving forward? Because it's not always a story in a song. So. If you outline the song sections, you have a target for what each song section needs to be about or needs to concentrate on and will help you to write a song where every section has a distinct and important job or idea to communicate, which ultimately will force you away from accidentally writing the same section with different words. And I think this is something where probably every person listening and myself included have struggled with. It can be difficult sometimes to write a second verse that isn't just kind of saying the same thing as the first verse, but with different words. Now, there's nuance here because if your song is idea driven rather than story driven, where there isn't necessarily a narrative arc, there's just different ideas being communicated to support the main idea in the, in the chorus. Uh, any song where there isn't a clear progression of time and we're just talking about like, let's say like the the first verse is talking about, you know, love has so much hope and the second verse is talking about, but boy, does love let you down. Those are two different ideas. There's not necessarily a story there. Those are two concepts that are feeding maybe that central concept that's in your chorus that might be, I don't know, like love is a wild ride or something corny like that. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but um, that would be an idea-driven song, whereas a story-driven song is, you know, the first verse might be, you know, the past, and then the second verse is the present, or the first verse is is the fu- your hoped-for future, and then the second verse is, oh, here's the actual present reality. That would all be story-driven. So, admittedly, with idea-driven songs, there there can be some of that, and, and it's acceptable. But we really don't want to go too far with, okay, the second verse was just a weaker version of the first verse. It said the same exact thing. I didn't learn anything new. I didn't get any new insight. I didn't get a new symbol that really sort of evoked a different a different point of view or a different side of things. Ultimately, every song section needs to have a reason for being. And if we can't figure out why that song section exists besides like, well, every song has a second verse. Like, first of all, no, they don't. But 
But even if so, like, okay, but we shouldn't just blindly follow things. Every section needs to have a reason to be. Otherwise, it maybe shouldn't be, or we need to rework it so that it does have a reason to be. So if we outline the song sections, and what I mean by outline is literally, you can just be like verse one, and then one sentence or two words to to say like, you know, something like verse one, how we met, you know, chorus, whatever your main idea is. Verse two, you know, our our first date. Verse three, divorce or, you know, whatever, whatever your story is. And it can be as, something as simple as that, because at least now you know, okay, here's the narrative arc I'm taking or or the arc of ideas I'm taking if it's not a story-driven song. So outline the song sections. And lastly, give it a working title. Now, this one, honestly, is more for psychological reasons than it is for practical reasons. All these other ones are very practical. Like, I, they will help you write lyrics that are better more quickly with less uh with less existential dread as you stare at blank pages or don't know what the heck to do um now there's always going to be some of that with pretty much any song you write just just to be clear like the i think it's a fantasy to be like oh i'll just run through the lyrics and it'll be great like that i don't care what your process is nobody's been able to figure that out uh like you listen to any interview from any songwriter and it's pretty much all the same story I did a video recently breaking down John Mayer talking about songwriting, and he um, he said something about basically every with every new song he writes, it's like he's an infant again that doesn't know anything about songwriting. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but it's, a, it's kind of a nuanced thing, right? The process helps, but it there is sort of an element of feeling like every song you write, though, is a totally different beast. It's not, but it, but it kind of is. Um, but anyway, give it a working title. So just for frame of reference with something I've done recently, there's just something about working on a song that's called The Voyage rather than Sad Song in A Major Number 3, which I don't know how you write your name, your songs when let's say, you know, whether it's a Google document or a recording file on your phone or maybe in your DAW if you're recording onto your computer. I don't know how you name your songs. Uh, before before they really have an identity or a name when they're really just sort of an idea. Um, but for me, oftentimes where it will start, just as a way for me to like re-find it and remember it, I partially look at the date that I last updated it. That helps. But then having a descriptor that's something like, you know, sad heartbreak song in A major number, whatever number it is, or, you know, catchy song number four, something like that. That way I at least have something to go off of to like be like, oh, I think this is the file with the song that I'm thinking of in my head. But there's something about like, it just feels more real and motivating. Like I want to write a song called The Voyage and have a song called The Voyage. That like motivates me to like want to finish that song because th that's a title that at least speaks to me um, that, that I want to finish. I know it's very simple, but it's something that works for me that I really like. Uh, but I couldn't give a crap less about a song called Sad Song in A Major Number Three. That could never, I could never work on that song again and that's fine, right? And it might be the same exact song. <laughs> 
But there's something about giving it a working title. Even if the final title is totally different, that's fine. It's a working title. But that gives it this identity. In fact, uh, since I already brought up the pregnant thing out of, out of nowhere when I've never talked about this ever before on the podcast, uh, so I guess we're getting personal today a little bit, but um, I, I so so my wife wants to not find out whether it's a boy or girl uh, now, you know, in, in the womb. So we're surprised when when it's actually born. Um, which generally, I'm like, yeah, that does seem exciting. But there is something, and I talked to my friends about this who already had kids, that there's something interesting about like, you know, right now, the identity of the baby is, we just say the baby, right? Or we just literally call it baby. And I, I just had to say it, which feels weird and wrong. Right. But if if we did know, if we did decide to find out, uh, then all of a sudden I'm not going to tell you the names, but but we have we have baby names lined up for whether boy or girl. So then it would have a name. And there's just something about, you know, if I could say I'm going to pick a name that is not on our list. What am I paranoid? You're going to steal it. And I I don't know why I'm not telling you, but um, maybe in the paranoia that a friend will listen and they'll have a kid before us and steal the name and then we'll feel like we can, I don't know, whatever. Let's say, let's say that we'll pick it, we'll make it super simple. Let's say the names are actually what me and my wife's name is. So Joseph or Cassie, those are not on our list. Um, but let's just say that, right? If I could say, oh, baby, like, like if I know like, oh, the baby's name is Cassie or Joseph, that gives a level of like reality to it obviously it's re it's the baby is completely real ag- agnostic of how I feel, but it, it just would help with like, Oh, it's my baby girl, Cassie, or, you know, it's, it's, it's my little boy, Joseph. That just would help to make it feel more real to me in my head. Um, so anyway, I, I think the song title is sort of the same idea, right? There's something magical about giving a name. It's kind of like, I probably should have just use this analogy, but I'm thinking about this in real time. So it's probably like, you know, people say, oh, once you name an animal, that's it. <laughs> like you're keeping that animal. And that's really true, right? If you just have a dog that, you know, it was a stray or something, you let it in, it's really sweet. You know, there's, there's a chance that you could give it to somebody else and feel good about like, okay, now it has a good home. I did my job. Great. But the second you name it Scooby or something, you're keeping that dog. <laughs> like, uh, so there's something powerful about a name. Um, and another thing that giving a working title does is it puts some pressure on having a good title, which usually results in having to write a great central idea or title line or theme or character. So it, it also helps a song to not be disjointed as the title is by definition, uniting the entire song into one thing, right? So if I call a song, the voyage, I now know that the voyage is probably the central concept of the song. Probably the verses are different ideas about the voyage or different, the story of this voyage, whatever it might be. So once I call it the voyage, it gives it the central idea to build everything around. If it doesn't have a title, sad song in A major number three, that could that could be about anything. There's no uniting factor. I mean, there is in music theory terms, like, oh, it's an A major, great. But lyrically, there's nothing to make that feel like a real idea. It's just a sad song in A major. Who cares? There's like a trillion of them. 
but the voyage now has an identity that I can build around that I can, that, you know, that the title unites the song. It gives me something to work towards as well as makes me more excited about working towards it because it feels more real, which again, it's not more real because of the title, but it, it, it helps me to feel it's more real in order, which then makes it so that I'm more likely to to keep writing on it and 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 it's sort of playing that psychological game as well as being helpful because it gives you sort of a central idea to work off of, which you can change later. So hopefully this was helpful to you. Again, the five things real quick, find art or pictures, preferably save them into a document like a Google Doc is usually what I use, although I'm trying to use Notion for it right now. Uh, I'm loving Notion so far for planning podcasts and videos for songwriter theory. Uh, jury's still out on whether I like it for songwriting. I'm probably going to do a video on how I feel about it for songwriting at some point. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But anyway, um, find art or pictures, put it in whatever your document software, whatever, wherever you're writing songs. Um, do prose writing, number two. Create a word pool or related words document, as I often call it. Number three, outline the song sections and then give it a working title even if you just have music because then it gives you a sort of lyrical thing to attach to. Overall, do those things before you start writing your lyric or at least do some of those things. And I'm not saying every song, like if, if you're so inspired and you think you can just dive into the lyric, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. All of these rules are meant to be broken. Every rule for any sort of artistic thing is, is meant to be broken just intentionally. Um, but, but overall, I would recommend doing on average, before you start writing lyrics to a song, do all these things, or at least most of these things, or try all these different things at different points. Although I would recommend something like, for the next month, commit to you're going to do all five of these, or at least four out of the five, or three out of the five, for every song in the next month, or something like that. See how it helps you. And be sure to grab my free... Lyric checklist, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Again, this is, was really just diving into step two of that whole checklist. So if you want the whole breakdown of going from idea and the idea gathering step all the way to a finished lyric you can be proud of, be sure to check that out, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you to all of you who leave kind reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. If you haven't already, great thing you can do to help me out is just to do that. That's all you got to do. Leave a kind of review and that helps me out, helps other people find this podcast. So if you find it helpful, then other people can discover this podcast and be helped as well. We can grow our community of people who actually care about the craft of songwriting and aren't just like, oh, I, I want to write a hit song. I don't care about quality. I just want to like get rich off of music, which I always is like, really? If you're going to, if you like, I have nothing against you just wanting to be rich or successful. That's fine. But like songwriting is the weirdest thing to choose <laughs> that you think is going to be the great way to get you there. Like that's one of the lowest probability ways to get you there. So I don't, I don't understand that. But anyway, that is a soapbox that nobody wants me to go on. So we are we're going to call it here. Thank you for being a listener. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you in the next one.